0: It takes more than being in 130 Slack channels to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 338. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameis Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast about all the non-technical stuff that it takes to be a great software engineer, including managing all your Slack
1: channels. Did you count how many you were in? No. sounds like a very exact number. (laughs) I would not be surprised if it's bigger than that. Yeah, because depends on so many things are you in other organizations if you use it for work and for other things and do you kind of like lurk in a bunch of channels but you mute heavily or i don't know i feel like there are like i'm trying to think of how many i pay attention to there are probably like 15 different channels i pay attention to during the work day which is kind of crazy right like it's a lot <laughs> yeah that's too many. I don't know how we got here. We should all go back to email. I know. I feel like I've heard you talk about this before. I have. My former coworker of mine said that
0: the, way, the best way to describe Slack is, oh, I heard you like inboxes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Does that mean we've reached grumpy old man status? <laughs> like, There's a newfangled Slack thing. Yeah, Totally. All right, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you to the folks who contribute to the show financially at the level where we shout them out every single week. Thank you to Valentin at Datafold, Santa Hopar, Noah Fraser Logue, Kent C. Dodds, Memester Josh, Jenny Kim, Owen Shardle, Craig Motlin, I Love Mavis, The Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, Landfair Pwill, I Give Up, Go, 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 com <laughs> Ohio, patron.com.au, we're hiring Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, Testing dot Documenting.org, Oladapo Fadie, Will Angel, Gnarar, Rick Hath- Nick sorry, Nick <laughs> Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Braden Keynes, John Grant, com- compilator with a K.se, Cody Sale, Nick Cantar. Did I say Nick Cantar twice? Well, that's how grateful we are, if you did. We have two Nicks. They're different Nicks. Uh, <laughs> Phil John Basile. <laughs> Thank right. you so much. Thank you to these kind and generous people. If you would like to join this group, you can go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon, and then any dollar amount will get you an invite to our Slack team, and any sufficient dollar amount will get you added to this list of folks that we thank profusely before every episode, etched in the annals of history. That's true. It is possible (laughs) that a thousand years from now, these names will represent a significant percentage of what historians know about this time period. (laughs) so join now if you want to leave
0: your mark on history yeah
1: all knowledge except the archive of soft skills engineering has been wiped out yeah. for some weird reason
0: this sounds like a dystopian bill and
1: ted's excellent adventure variant yeah good thing we're etching these into titanium plates yeah and then putting them in orbit around the earth right <laughs> Do you want to read our first question, Dave? Yes, this comes from a
0: listener named Matush, who says, I am the last remaining support specialist on a really old, not actively maintained, but still lucrative SaaS product. I am stuck. As a front-end engineer, I want to work on other projects within my organization to gain contemporary framework skills, but nobody can backfill my workload. I know option A is quit your job, but what other options do I have? Hmm... I like option A. Look, I already know the very first thing I should do.
1: (laughs) Quit my job. There's a... Okay. I want to summarize this question. Help. I have an enormous amount of leverage over my company. What do I do?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good... That's a really good way to put it.
1: I am the only person in the whole company
0: who can do what I do.
1: Usually the only time you have leverage is when you're trying... is, Is when they're trying to hire you. Right. Not the only time, but
0: you know what I mean. That is the highest leverage moment in your tenure with any company is when they have not yet hired you and they want to hire you. So, so you're saying, look, I I understand you're not getting the professional development that you want. You're not using the technical skills that you want to use or grow. But why not console yourself by asking your company for a lot more money?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It could be that, yeah. It could also be. I mean, there are other ways to to. Compensate you or reward that leverage besides money. Yeah, you could say you need to rewrite it all, (laughs) (laughs) like pick the thing you want to learn, uh, as a way to forever tarnish the reputation of developers in in this area, in the future. Like, no, never again will they trust a developer. You could so. hmm, I'm trying to think of things that make this better for the company. Like, if you quit, they're going to have to train someone anyways. But they don't have to yet because you still work there. So yeah. like, why would, they, why would they now just because you say, please?
0: Are you saying you have to threaten to leave to get any emotion here?
1: Maybe. I don't know if I'm trying to figure out what I'm saying by saying it in real time. Nice. <laughs> <That's> the- <laughs> I can't see any problem with that. Let's proceed. <laughs> you're, well, you're kind of in like an impasse because it's going to cost the company more money to change anything. Right. Like, either to swap someone else out with you because you quit or because you want to move on to a different role and they need to train someone up into your place. So, like, you do have a lot of leverage because there's a lot of money tied to this SaaS product. But also, I I don't see an option that is better for your company besides like wait for something to change.
0: Like, the best option for your company is you just keep doing what you're doing. Don't, Don't do anything different. Uh, yeah we're gonna
1: just keep using you you're so great we love you (laughs) is there anything we could do besides changing anything right (laughs) (laughs) any words that we could say (laughs) no i actually quite frankly giving you a big fat pay raise
0: would actually probably be the easiest thing for this company to do like of all on all the list of things to do like training a replacement That's the whole list I can think of. It's way
1: cheaper (laughs) than training a replacement.
0: (laughs) We'll give you a 20% raise. You'll be happy. We'll continue to be happy. And there's there's probably an amount of money that this company would pay to make this problem go away. By which I mean this problem being having to go find someone to train and do this. Because also finding your replacement is going to be very hard for them. Like imagine what it would take to get someone who has never worked in this code base, who doesn't want to work in this old legacy non-interesting code uh, code base and ask yeah. them to be the the support engineer that's going to take a, a considerable amount of money they, they might have to go to consulting rates for that you know they could be looking at yeah. 200 dollars an hour to support this thing yeah with that as your backdrop i think you can definitely i mean that's that's some good leverage because that's what that's what they're competing against and i think they know that they have a massive bargain in you and i'm, I'm, I'm making some assumptions here but
1: they probably know that better than you do I feel like the way we're talking about this question reveals something about our worldview because the question asker said, how do I change to do these other this other kind of work that I think will be more fulfilling? Yeah, and we're, and like, we're like, you just need more money. But money, <laughs> yeah. What if you instead got more money to right. do the same work look, that isn't fulfilling? <laughs> yeah, I, I know you asked for more fulfilling work and better technical skills, but look, money solves everything. If you have nicer shoes while you're doing the less fulfilling work, won't that be the same? <laughs> okay, let me let's set the let's set the money
0: topic aside for the moment. I just thought it was an interesting observation that that sounds like this question asker may not have considered and I think a lot of people don't consider how much leverage they have over their employer when they are in an indispensable situation like this. Yeah. So, okay, so let if it's okay with you, Jameson, let's set that aside. The money part? It's okay with me. Like, it's very, very hard for you to do (laughs) I know.
1: Well, I can set aside talking about money. I just can't set aside the money. (laughs) Okay. I will keep the money close (laughs) at hand, but talk about other stuff.
0: (laughs) Okay. I'm thinking here that the, the way to approach this question with your company about, hey, how do I get into greener pastures and do skills, work on skills that I actually want, is to couch this, to frame this, As a existential risk to this product because your company has a, what do we call it? A lottery factor that's uh, really, really easy to trigger here because they have one person who knows this. And so this is a business risk that they have taken on and maybe don't fully recognize the risk. And so rather than going to your company and say and saying, hey, I'm going to quit unless you let me advance my career in these ways with these other skills, you could go to them and say, I believe we have a business risk that is too high to maintain this product offering for our customers. And I'd like to propose that we cross-train someone on this product and we share the support load between the two of us. So that A, we have better support capacity. B, we have redundancy in case of, you know, lottery factor stuff, or mm-hmm. uh, C. There is no C. Sorry, I, I thought there was. But
1: not. Think of a C. We'll leave that to you. Yeah,
0: that's an exercise <laughs> left to the
1: listener. <laughs> it always sounds better if there are three things. instead of Two it, things. Right. Rhetorically, it's very important <laughs> that there are lists of three.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I like that idea a lot. You are that. That's that's a way of reducing risk for the company you could also talk about it as like reducing the cost of support maybe that means more documentation like there could be some upfront investment work that you put into this product to make it easier for others to pick up
0: or even or even easier for customers to self-serve the support
1: yeah yeah and if if you can make it cheap enough to support then presumably that means there's other more valuable work you could do instead. Like, you you could... One case is that you do such a good job that they don't need you anymore, which is not great. Right. good news, you'll get to go find more fulfilling work. Also a risk, yeah. But also, there's probably other important stuff to do. Most companies have lots of things that they would like to do that they cannot get to. So, mm-hmm. if you can make the cost of, of supporting this product low enough in time or, or uh, I don't know, in specialized skill set then then there's, there's now somewhere more effective where your time could be spent. Does that make sense? Totally. Higher value activities. So
0: there, there, yeah. is, op- there is opportunity cost for the business to keep you in this role, which is that you yeah. can't be doing more valuable things to the business.
1: Like learning new frameworks.
0: Right, like think about how valuable it will be to you if I spent several <laughs> months <laughs> learning Elm. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a name I haven't heard in a while.
0: Yeah. I was trying to think of a Haskell equivalent of a front-end framework. <laughs> That's I as close mean, as like, yeah. Get.
1: PureScript. But Bucklescript, I think, is a, is somehow related to PureScript in a way I don't understand. And then what's the other one? Reason ML. Oh, yeah. Those are all the MLE-type languages I, I think I am aware of in the front-end. You just proved your credentials. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like you nailed it.
0: Have we answered the question? I, I think so. Like, A, you've got a lot of leverage if you want more money. B... And remember, there's going to be three here, so I'm, I'm working on getting the third one as I talk. <laughs> you, you could make more money if you wanted to. B, you can catch this as a, as a business risk that the company needs to mitigate. And C, again, exercise for the listener, but I'm sure you'll come up with a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I actually know C, but I'm not revealing it because I it's a pedagogical technique where you have to figure it out. And it, you'll be oh, better Oh,
1: I mean, what if, yeah, what if the C they come up with is way better than yours? You don't want to... I mean, that's unlikely...
0: Them. <laughs> the, the C that I'm thinking of is really good. <laughs> I'm not thinking of a C. I don't have anything.
1: <laughs> All right. All right. The secret is revealed. You want to read our next one? <laughs> yes. Now I will read our next question. This is from an anonymous listener who says, I started my journey as an engineering manager at a startup. Over my stint, the company grew and so did the engineering team. Overall, I received good feedback from the engineers, but the founders didn't recognize the value of this role, and I felt that I wasn't getting the required mentorship there to grow further. I ended up quitting. It's been challenging to find another manager role. I get good feedback from the interviews, but haven't received an offer yet. I still am a good back-end engineer, but that is not what I want to keep pursuing. I appreciate any thoughts or suggestions on what I should do to bag one of these interviews as I don't get that feedback from the interview panel. I don't miss any of the podcasts and do enjoy the show. Nice. Well, that's one piece of advice we can't give then. Don't miss any of <laughs> Listen to every episode. <laughs> Surely something in there. <laughs> we make no guarantee, express or implied, about the outcomes of listening to the show, though. <laughs> Throw this incredible amount of spaghetti at the wall. Even Even more spaghetti. i'm glad you listen and enjoy thank you that's nice of you to say yeah thank you let's
0: see engineering manager roles this is a tough time for that just economically i I think that if any role gets squeezed to do more with less it's
1: management i feel like there are a bunch of roles who are like wait a minute my role gets squeezed more to do with less but yeah i'm sure you're right i'm sure you're right i think i I think i see your point yeah it's like here's uh, my point it's
0: like. If I'm a super hyper growth startup that's just hiring like crazy, I'm also going to hire a bunch of managers in that same time frame. I might even hire ahead of time, just so you know. Which is, but only if money is abundant and growth is an imperative, you know. Whereas if I am a company that's being the budget is being squeezed, money is a little tight, and I'm thinking, well, I've got an engineering manager who currently manages eight people. I need to hire two more. I I'm sure they can just do ten, you know. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah.
1: and maybe 11 and maybe 12, you know, it's like, and so, or, or even it, like, if you have an engineering manager who quits, it can be tempting to say, well, what if we just like smush teams together instead of replace them?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's like you can manage 17 people, right? <laughs> That's what Mr. Musk said. <laughs> it is very tempting to do that because I think a lot of times the the effect of hiring less management is a little bit intangible and a little bit hidden from the people making that decision. You know, like yeah. everyone, every individual team member's professional growth and experience at work gets a little worse. But yeah, you know, the bug rate in the product might not change. The you know the the economics of your product might not change that much. But everyone's just a little bit unhappy.
1: You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, things are like a little more chaotic, and there's. Yeah, and you're like, well, that's that's the trade-off we chose. We chose a little
0: more chaos, you know? Yeah. And and there can be good reasons for choosing that, right? So I, I guess what I'm saying here is uh, jumping from an engineering manager role at one company to an engineering manager role at another company is probably one of the more challenging roles to get as a job seeker, I think, as yeah. compared to, like, back-end engineer, front-end engineer. It's like, great, we need one of those, we'll hire you, you know?
1: yeah. I feel like you you switched points there from economics to like, in general, it's harder to get another engineering manager. job.
0: Yeah, I think I do think I don't know if it's strictly harder in general to get an engineering management job. There are certainly fewer of them just mathematically, fewer of those positions open at any given moment. But right now, for sure, in the current economic
1: situation, I think it is harder. Even in the before times when interviewing for those roles, both. For, for my own sake to, to get one of them and also interviewing to hire an engineering manager. I feel like I've, I've done a lot more interviews.
0: Like the ratio of candidates the, the, to hires? Yeah, the ratio higher. of,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's higher, yes.
0: Would you say it's like
1: twice as high? Five times as high? 1,000 times as high? No, I would not say any <laughs> of those because I don't know. Oh, <laughs> okay. It's more, more times as high. Okay, um, <laughs> got it. I don't know. It felt like maybe like... Five. We, we had a really long search for one candidate, um, but so that might be an outlier. Yeah. So, so it it might just be it takes more interviews. It takes more more tries to to land this role. Yeah. I also think there's there's a bigger emphasis on fitting in with the company style, culture. I don't know structure. Yeah. Where I think it is generally easier to hire i think you, i guess you said this earlier it's easier to hire a, a a developer and say you might have different experiences but like your skills will transfer fine yeah but i mean you, you look, could have they solved the whiteboard puzzle so they're qualified
0: you know <laughs> yeah it's like a little yeah. more concrete
1: yeah but the the breadth of problems and philosophies to solving those problems in engineering management and, and like the orthodoxy is is just so poorly established. Like there's mm. there's just so many different ways people think about doing it that, I don't know, I feel like it's easier to to show up and say, here's how I think management should work and, and see a lot of like people recoiling in horror and saying, what? Yeah. No, we don't do that, you know? Yeah, I agree. And uh, the way
0: that I would summarize that is that it's a little more fuzzy about what makes a good engineering manager and you like you said you just kind of have to click with people in the interview sometimes and that's a much harder roll of the dice than oh look i implemented iterative fibonacci in linear time with memoization therefore hire me you know yeah it's harder yeah like, like
1: i i communicated well about my code while i did it so you think i'll be able to solve hard problems well
0: I think it, I think another way to put that is if you thought the software engineering interview process was unreliable non deterministic and inconsistent, well boy, have I got some news for you <laughs> uh, and like I think the point that we're trying to make here yeah. is that it's not unexpected for you to get into a situation where it's challenging to find your next role it that's pretty normal so what do you do about it though and and to me you need to ha- you need to develop well I'm, let me back up and say it this way. The best engineering manager candidates that I have interviewed have a very crisp management philosophy and very concrete yeah. tenets about how they approach a wide variety of different problems. You know, like I've been asked in management interviews, what's your what's your philosophy on performance management? And mm-hmm. you know, it's like, "Oh, I don't know. I guess I just, you know, like help people perform good, you know, it's like, that's one answer, right? Or you could have a very crisp answer where you, based on experience, where you can actually cite examples of times you've helped people improve their performance or that you've had to manage someone out of an organization. Yeah. And I think that it's harder to have those answers off the top of your head because it there isn't just it's not something you work in every day. Like it may have been six months to twelve months since the last time you encountered a performance challenge as a manager. And there's no yeah. lead code website where it's like, okay, situation, you know, <laughs> solve this problem, and then you have to type out an answer. Although you could probably build a chat GPT variant that would actually interview you for a management role and assess you based on what you type in your answer, which would be really cool. Yeah. Anyway, so that my advice to you is make sure that you have a portfolio of answers at the ready for common management questions, such as what's your philosophy on performance management? What's your philosophy on compensation? What's your philosophy on team organization? What's your philosophy on how to work best with product management? What's your philosophy on working across teams and building consensus? What's your philosophy on you being the tech lead versus having a dedicated tech lead on the team? You know, like, these are all things that you should have an at-the-ready, very succinct, crisp answer for, and I think you'll do better in the interviews. Now, that's not to say you'll get the job because again, your philosophy might not actually align with the with the company's philosophy. At which point you won't get the job, but at least you'll, you know, at least you'll have a crisp answer so that when you do find the company that aligns well, you're ready to go.
1: They might not even have one, too, but they, they might
0: not. Active. And that's one of the reasons I say have a concrete answer because sometimes what a company is looking for is someone who has a clear framework for operating as a manager that they can articulate to the interviewer. They're like, Oh, this is great. Our current managers just kind of wring their hands and are indecisive and don't, you know, they don't know, they don't know what their own philosophy is. But if we hire this person, they just kind of do stuff.
1: Yeah. I love that answer. That is also, I feel like, I feel like I get better at interviews as a candidate throughout the process, but I felt like that applied more to engineering manager interviews than to IC interviews because I did feel like the IC interviews were closer to the day-to-day skills that I used. Right. But yeah, that that aspect of like articulating your worldview concisely in a compelling way is not you're not gonna like sit down in a one-on-one with with someone every week and say, let me tell you about my philosophy of right. management. It just right. feels like very pompous.
0: It's like this, there's almost like this behind the scenes framework that you're operating in that you don't even know you're operating in because you've never had to say it out loud. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But that's a great way to think about it. For me- or, or you're good at this better than I am and like you start with that and work towards it. But for me, it's been very like, it's been a lot of archeology. span Right. Like, like looking at what I do and then figuring out, oh, that's- That's right. Uh, that's why. <laughs>
0: it's like internal- self-centered, self-focused psychological archaeology. <laughs> You're digging yes. through your own brain, trying to understand why you do what you do. Yes. I'll tell you, Jameson, that as a manager of managers, this has come into more focus for me because now I'm having to coach people to do their management job. And so it f- it's a forcing function to make me say out loud what my philosophy is. Whereas previously I was just like, oh yeah, I guess I don't know why I ran stand up that way. Let me let me write a blog post about this, you know? Mm. And this, may be a, this might be a, a good thing for you to do is practice writing a blog post each day where you delve into one of the philosophies of management. And if you're looking for inspiration, there is a great book that I don't think I've mentioned on the show before, but I have mentioned in our Slack community, which is a book by Will Larson. I'll put it on the screen for our YouTube viewers. It's called An Elegant Puzzle, Systems of... Oops, upside down. Systems of Engineering Management. Really, really good, crisp book. It's like a it's like a user's manual for engineering managers. You know, it's got sections on all of the all the things I just mentioned, like mentorship and performance management and organizational structure. Mm-hmm. And then it's like in the least amount of words, describe how to do how this person does that. And I've really liked it because it's almost it almost reads like a an appliance repair manual, you know? <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. if you're in this situation, here are the three things I do bum 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 I'm like oh nice anyway highly recommended if you're trying to find inspiration
1: to get crisp about your own philosophy i second that recommendation it's a great book will has another book about staff engineer that's a similar oh that's him attempt to kind of yeah distill this kind of fuzzy ill-defined thing into some concrete specifics
0: oh that's great i i knew about that book i just didn't realize it was the same author i got to get that. oh yeah yeah that's really the cool.
1: Staff Engineer is more based on interviews with other folks where an elegant puzzle is more, I think, his own experience and ideas. But there's still yeah. Same style, same same vibe. Good That's stuff. really cool. Really cool. All right.
0: Have we answered it? I think so. Shall we should we summarize with our rhetorical bullet points of three that are only actually two?
1: Oh yeah, I was gonna <laughs> offer this one point of feedback, which is when you were saying all the things you should have a philosophy of, there were way more than three. And Oh, I just ignored all of them after the third one. Because, <laughs> because, I, only, because I
0: blasted past the, the, the three ceiling?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, one, two, three, what? <laughs> and then my expectations were shattered. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. They were all good suggestions, I'm sure. As I listen back to this, I'll realize... I'll, I'll, I'll skip the first three and then count by multiples of three. So I'll hear the next three... <laughs> Okay, Next good. time I listen to this. Okay, good. Yeah. Do you want to summarize it? Yeah, through? I'll
0: summarize. So I think the the short the, the first thing is it's, it's normal for there to be a higher, ratio or a higher failure rate for management interviews, I think, as a candidate. So that's first thing is that you are experiencing something that I believe is normal. Sub bullet on that one is that this particular moment in time, I believe, will be even more challenging and a, even a higher failure rate. Yeah. And then the second point is get really concrete about what your answers are to these kinds of questions so that when you find the company that wants you, that wants your philosophy, you've clearly articulated it. Do some psychological archaeology.
1: Yes. And the third one? Uh, again, exercise to the reader or I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> pick, your pick. Yeah. Reader's choice. All right. That sounds great. What should folks do if they want to get their own questions answered?
0: Go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button where you can fill out our form with as much or as little information as you want. And we must, as always, give a heartfelt thank you to everyone who fills out that form each week. We love it. We read all of your questions and you keep the show going. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And we will catch you next week.